Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. All right, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this time as we dive into how to grow up spiritually. Thank you for this time of fellowship. Thank you for the food, uh, both spiritually and naturally. And Father, we're so very grateful <clears throat> that you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. I thank you that we're no longer dead in our trespasses and sin, but we, you have quickened us and made us alive together with Christ, in Christ. I thank you that we're finally alive because of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. It's the Word that we are born again of this incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God. So very grateful for that. And Lord, as, as your people, <clears throat> as we've been discussed in these last seven weeks about how to grow up spiritually and the different um, stages of Christianity, Father, I pray that these, your people, will grow, go from wherever stage they're, they're in now into spiritual maturity, become spiritual men and women of God, governed by their faith and governed by the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit of God. For you said in Romans 8 that as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And I thank you that we are sons and daughters of God in the Son. And I thank you that today, tonight will be an uh, unusual night in the sense of help giving us the the practicality of how to grow up spiritually. And as we discuss these seven ways of how to grow up spiritually, I pray that you'll etch them on our hearts. I thank you that in the years to come, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years from now, we'll remember these things because they're rooted in your word and we'll live them out in Jesus' name. Grant unto me your son and your slave supernatural divine utterance that I may boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel I pray that you'll grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that, lead, them that believe. And Father, I thank you that these are practical um, uh, applications of how to live out their faith and grow up in the things of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So tonight, we're just going to focus on how to grow up spiritually, how to. So we've been talking about the importance of growing up and how babyhood, um, <clears throat> childhood, and then maturehood or adulthood. And so tonight, I'm going to give you at least seven, or well, not least, it's just seven ways how to grow up spiritually. So let's go to our familiar passage, which is Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, um, verse 11, um, the great mighty um, five-fold ministry gifts. We, we, we'll be talking about these in the days ahead next year, about the mighty, um, these five-fold five -fold ministry gifts. They are definitely a blessing. And um, it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ, or building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Notice it says the unity of the faith, not necessarily that we're on the same page theologically. There are different theological beliefs in the body of Christ. You got everything from um, Baptists to Pentecostals to Charismatics to Word of Faith to Reform to um, Lutheran and, and so forth, Methodists. And so 
the goal is not necessarily to have everybody believing on the same page, but there should be some type of unity of our faith. We, how many know we have a common faith? Let's go to Jude 1. Well, there's only one chapter in Jude, so Jude, that's the book right before Revelation. Jude, and let's take a look at, I believe, verse 3. Verse 3 and 4, actually it's verse 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, notice that he uses the word common. I thought that was unique, common salvation. And then he says, I found it necessary, necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So here Jude is encouraging us to contend for the faith that we believe. But he notice he says, our common salvation. So we all have this thing in common that at one time we were lost, but now we're found. At one time we were in darkness, now we're in the light. No matter where your backgrounds are, we all got the same testimony. Jesus saved us. Amen. And I think that sometimes in growing up, I've heard testimonies of these horrible testimonies, and it's like people glorified their testimony. The further you were out there in the world, the more glorified was the salvation. But it doesn't matter whether you grew up in church or you were out wilding. We all needed Jesus, right? And so that is the common salvation. So go back to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. The testimony, testimony the, 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 way our, the way we came to salvation is different. Let's never glorify our sin as if, wow, I was really far away from God. We were all were, whether you were the nice church boy or whether you were the prostitute. It, it doesn't matter. It's that that salvation is common among us. So for, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith. And notice this, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And so our knowledge of God, our knowledge of Jesus need to be increasing. We need to increase in the knowledge of God. We are, we're not to remain the same. I've been saved uh, a long time, and my desire to grow in the things of God remained the same. It, it, that never dies, and it should never die. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So not only should we grow in the unity of the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood or adulthood, but we should also, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we be no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. And so there are times that God expects us to not be thrown away by everything that comes through the body of Christ. If you lived in 20 plus years in the body of Christ, you'll see these themes come and go. At one point, everybody was into deliverance. And then now prophetic. And then it comes and goes. And, and it's just, it's, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, Dad Hagen, brother Kenneth e. Hagen, um, who has probably impacted my life more than anybody outside of my parents, and um, also this uh, wonderful woman of God by the name of Evangelist Shirley, I mean, Evangelist Gussie Lee Turner, who's home with the Lord. Outside of those people, 
Kenneth e. Hagen has had the greatest impact on my life, and the reason I'm in New Jersey is because of him. <laughs> uh, long story. But he said that he used to have deliverance services back in the 50s. Um, it was every Saturday night, and people come up, and they cast the devils out, and some was the spirit of God, and some was flesh. And then the same people would come over and over and over coming up for deliverance. I grew up in a deliverance church. Every Sunday night we had deliverance. We had people at the altar and they would um, make us make a confession or renounce. You know, I, I repent, I renounce such and such. And, I re and they would go down the list. They had the little, and then they had these workers and they prayed for us. And then they would call out everything from, um, you name it. They would call out different stuff and there would be gagging and people throwing up and sometimes levitating, you know, um, all kinds of stuff going on in the front. And, and, but those same people are in bondage a year later. <laughs> they were still in the same bondage. So just because you have manifestations doesn't necessarily mean that you have deliverance. You can have no manifestations and great deliverance. You can have many manifestations and no deliverance. So we, we, we have to, we're not after manifestations. Just because you have a devil that growls, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that God is moving, right? I, 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 and, 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 and just because you don't see anything change right away doesn't mean that God didn't move. And so, again, these things came through the body of Christ, and that, that church I was a part of was, was whole focus was deliverance. It was deliverance, 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 deliverance. And it, it, it became to such a point that it, it took the the balance of the word was not even, everything was delivering. So people, instead of taking ownership of their sins or ownership of their flesh, they often said, well, I got a devil. The reason I can't forgive my mother-in-law because I got a devil of unforgiveness. There's no such thing as a spirit of unforgiveness. The Bible just says forgive. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of, and so everything was a demon, you know, from, um, gluttony. Well, stop eating too much, right? <laughs> it's just like it, everything is not a devil. So uh, we don't want to be like that tossed to and fro, jumping on everything. We believe in the prophetic here. We, we receive prophecy. I prophesy at times. But prophetic is not, we make it into something deeper than what it should be. We, we probably value that more so than the written word of God. And we have to be careful. All right, so let, let's, let's take a look at this. So, no longer children tossed to and fro. And then verse 19, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so the perfect way or the way God's will for every church is for every member of that church, every member of the body of Christ, is to function in the grace and the callings of God, and together we're building up the body of Christ at large. So the ultimate goal of spiritual maturity is not so that you can display that you're spiritual, but it's to actually be more like Jesus. The more, like, the more you and I are like Jesus, the more you and I can fellowship with the Father on the same level that the Father and Jesus fellowship with. So the goal of spiritual maturity is so that you can know God better. 
The ultimate goal is not so you can go around and say, I'm spiritual or I'm mature. It, that does nothing for God and does nothing for the kingdom. Spiritual mature people don't have to go around telling you. Naturally, you, when you're mature, you don't have to go around and say, I'm mature. <laughs> Spiritually speaking, you don't have to tell people, oh, you're a babe. You don't have to be condescending, right? A spiritual mature person is not condescending. They're not putting down someone who is a babe. They get with that babe and walk with that babe, pray with that babe, show them how to be mature. So here are seven ways in which we can grow up spiritually. There's not necessarily a particular order. The first two not necessarily don't have, um, we don't necessarily have per se scripture totally, but you can draw from the passage of scripture. The first one is to be quick to repent. Quick to repent. That's 1 John 1, 9, 1, 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the scripture tells us, in other words, to be quick to repent. Some of the people that I've seen who to receive their healings quicker or deliverance quicker or provision quicker is those who we repent quick. So when you, make, when you sin, you recognize you sin. Lord, forgive me. I acknowledge that I've sinned and I forsake it. Repentance means to do a 180, right? It means to go the opposite direction. So repentance is not just saying, forgive me. Repentance is, forgive me. I acknowledge that I'm, I messed up, but I'm not doing that again. I change my mind. I go the opposite direction. That's what repentance is. There is, there, and, and I love A.R. Bernard, Dr. A.R. Bernard, he actually says that without repentance, there is no forgiveness. That's pretty heavy right there. Pretty heavy. Without repentance, there is no forgiveness of sin. We think because we say, we, God, forgive me, it's a done deal. But unless you repent from that thing, and repentance is a change of mind, change of heart. It means to go the opposite direction. So that means if I'm smoking cigarettes... And I repent from smoking cigarettes. It's not just saying this is wrong. I'm not doing it again. I walk away. How many know that that's, that's real spiritual mature people, they're quick to forgive. I mean, it's quick to repent. They turn away from sin. And they don't look back. They don't play with it. All right, number two, quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. Mark eleven twenty five. 25. It says, when you stand praying, forgive. If you don't forgive, your heavenly father, which is in heaven, will not forgive. That's kind of double, right? Heavenly father, which is in heaven. That's my translation. Your heavenly father will not forgive you. So forgiveness is very much part of this. I have been forgiven, therefore I forgive. And so be quick to forgive. Don't hold something over somebody years and years and years later. Don't, don't, don't be quick to hold on to grudges. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to trust everybody, but you don't have to. Don't hold them to their wrongdoing. Don't keep reminding them of what they did wrong. So we are quick to repent and quick to forgive. Forgiveness is the great, is one of the major, is a major factor in you operating in faith. If you don't forgive, it can hinder your faith. It will, the Bible talks about also husbands, that their prayers will be hindered if they don't treat their spouses, their wives correctly. That's pretty heavy. So if, if, I, if my prayers are not, are not being answered, it may be because I'm not forgiving. So the first place I always check 
if I find that there's, the flow has stopped, how am I treating my wife? How am I treating my brothers and sisters in Christ? Did I, you know, there was a time, I went to Texas, and some of y'all heard me talk, talk about this, and I went to Texas to, on a speaking engagement, and preached, and usually after you preach, you get an honorarium, and they said, oh, we'll mail it to you. So I said, okay, and at the time, it was full-time ministry, so every, more, every, every dime <laughs> counted. And so I said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And so uh, a, a week went by, uh, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, a month. And, and so I'm in the backyard walking the dogs, and, and I'm believing God for something. And the Spirit of the Lord says, forgive that pastor in Texas. And so I called his name out, and I said, I forgive such and such. I release him right now. He owes me nothing. I preach for free. God is my employer. So therefore, some churches I go to, I, I can preach and they give me an honorarium or they don't. It doesn't matter. God is my employer. So I got to keep that in mind. And within two days, the check showed up after I forgave. Amen. And also, I forgave my former boss because she, she was a bully. And she would try to bully us. And so I called her name out. So along with forgiving that pastor and that it released the money. And so be quick to forgive. Sometimes the reason why people don't receive healing is because they don't forgive. Heal, um, your healing is connected to your forgiveness. Be quick to forgive. All right. So what's the first one? Quick to repent. The second? Quick to forgive. Number three it's connected with the, the second one is to walk in love. You got to walk in love. You got to love people, even when you don't feel like they're lovable. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Walk in love. Love is, is a major factor. The Bible talks about in 1 John that God is love. 1 John 4, 7, and 8, I'm just going to quote a lot of scriptures today. 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says, I'm, my mind is baptized in King James, okay? So I have ESV, I've been on ESV for 15 years, but it still hasn't caught up. So now I got a mixture of ESV, King James, and Amplify all mixed together, so y'all have to bear with me. <laughs> so, but my mind was baptized in King James. And so 1 John 4, 7, 8 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not is neither born of God, is not born of God. No, I'm sorry, knoweth not God. 1 John 4, 7, 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, um, he that loveth not, no, it's not God, for God is love. I, I messed that up. <laughs> All right, um, let's go there. First John 4, 7 and 8. <laughs> First John 4, 7 and 8. It says this. Now, ESV is going to say it a little bit different. First John 4, 7 and 8, but it's the same. 
thing. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. All right? All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I feel better. All right. All right. So if you love, you know God and born of God. But if you don't love, you don't know God. And so love, walking in love is important. It is important that you walk in love. You protect your love walk. Protect it. You, you got to make sure there's no strife. There's no bitterness. All right. So go, this, go with me to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. And here we go. 1 Corinthians 13 is a familiar passage. Most of the time is read in weddings. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13, and this really is talking about how to walk in the gifts or how to pursue the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, let's jump down to verse 4. It says, love is patient, okay, and kind. How many know that sometimes it's hard to be patient? And it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to be kind to especially unkind people. And it says, love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Sometimes going and... Think about waiters and waitresses. Don't be rude to them. They're making $2 and some change per hour. The least you can do is tip them 15%, right? Honor them and bless them even if they don't have the best services. And sometimes I learned this from a mentor that's from afar um, that, that I, I don't really know. have not ever met him, but he mentors me through his speeches. He actually says that if you go and you give the waiter um, a tip before time, you'll get better services. So ahead of time, say, hey, here's a couple, here's, here's $10 or $15 or $20. I want to have a nice evening with my girl. I learned that from a mentor. His name is Jim, Jim Rohn. <laughs> Look him up. He'll change your life. <clears throat> All right, so it's, it's, it says love, love is not arrogant or rude. So don't be rude to the waiter or waitresses. Don't be rude to the doctor or the, or the nurses. Don't be rude to the New Jersey Turnpike person. Don't be rude to your pastor or to your coworker or to each other. Don't be rude with people working with you. Don't be rude. Don't be arrogant. Love is not rude. It's, it does not insist on its own way. I got to have my way. It's my way or the highway. No, it's not. It does not assist on its own way. It is it's not irritable or resentful. How many get irritable? How many y'all get irritable? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> you get irritable a lot. Like, oh, just uh. no, it's not, it's not resentful. It's it's not. It, 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 and then it goes on to say, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing. So if somebody's doing wrong, you don't rejoice at it. Or they fall if a person falls out of, you know, fall into sin or whatnot. It's it's not something that we make fun of. But rejoices with the truth. That's what love is. Love bears all things. Love believes all things, and love hopes all things, and love endures all things, and love never fails or never ends. So we're talking about the love of God, and this is charity. It's King James says charity, and it's love in action. It's love acted upon. Love is kind. It pays to be kind. Kindness will create a highway for you. <laughs> it will. And there's many fruits in, on that highway, many benefits that you'll receive because of that kindness. So love is kind. It's patient. You know, Lord, please be patient with me. Lord, be patient. Well, if you want the Lord to be patient with you, be patient with one another. Be patient. Love doesn't move. It's not easily moved. 
Love is, you know, and I'm quoting a song that I love, Ordinary Just Won't Do. But he's like, you know, that kind of love that's flaky, I love you today, and, and you know, it's conditional. Human love is conditional. I love you if you're lovely. <laughs> I love you if you, you do something that pleases me. But love really at its highest peak is when, when you don't feel like loving that person, but you remain the same. When somebody lies to you, when somebody uses you, the Bible says pray for those that despitefully use you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. It doesn't mean you be ignorant, right? You don't let people keep using you in that sense, but you pray for them. You, prayer doesn't only change the person or the circumstances, but prayer changes you. So if you start, and I learned this from my dad. All right, uh, my dad has impacted me more than any other, any other person outside of my mom. Mom led me to Christ. Dad discipled me in Christ. And so dad was like, when you pray for somebody else, if God never changes them, he changes you towards them. He changes your heart. So prayer changes you. And I learned this from my spiritual dad, Pastor Dave Robeson. He says, um, speak to the mountain even if you're the mountain. He says, prayer changes things even if you're the thing that changes. <laughs> and so things will change as you pray for your enemies. Your enemies may not ever change, but you'll change in the midst of all that hatred. And so love Love is kind. It creates this highway in which you can go and you, it prepares the way for the gospel, kindness, acts of kindness. What we're doing on Christmas, it's an act of kindness, and it will prepare a way for us to speak. You feed people food, that gives us an opportunity to speak into your life give you some spiritual food, right? Jesus fed the home, uh, he, he fed the 5,000s with fish. So he had a fish fry <laughs> and some bread. <laughs> and he was able to minister to people. People would come, if you feed them food, we can fill this church up. <laughs> like, oh, the KLM? Oh, yeah, they'll feed you. Give you a coat, get you some little pies. <laughs> we'll bless you real good. <laughs> uh, so kindness, love is kindness, patient. Uh, it, it doesn't boast. You never, a person who, who, Perfect. And, and the more love is perfected in your life, the less that fear has any place in your life. Fear loses its place when love is perfected. What, is, what do you call that? That's utterance. Fear loses its place when love is perfected. The Bible says love drives out fear, tormenting fear. So the more I understand God loves me, the more it empowers me to love one another. So that love empowers me to love somebody else. The more I under, and, and, and Dad Copeland says this, Kenneth Copeland says this, Dad Copeland, he says, for I know, and he's quoting 1 John 5, he says, for I know and I believe that the love that God has for me. I know this love and I believe in this love. So the more I understand how much he loves me, the more it empowers me to love one another. That's good stuff. Amen. And, okay, let's jump down real seven. Love bears all things. This is important. Love believes all things. Um, Amplified says love believes the best. How, how often are we quick to believe the worst? Yeah, they really meant to do that. They know that it wasn't an emotional affair. That was a real affair. I've been guilty of that. All right. Love believes the best. 
of that person and of that situation. I choose to believe the best. My, I'm not going to allow my mind to go to the negative, right? That, that's love. Even if you did that, I believe that you didn't really mean to do that. Love is not naive, but love believes in the underdog. Love, love covers the multitude of sins. So when a person sins, it's not like, let me go blast it, let me cover them. How many people have we covered, right? Somebody gets pregnant out of wedlock, you walk with them. You know, I'm dealing with a situation right now, and I'm walking with them. Walking with them. The love of God does not let them be uncovered. The love of God protects. The love of God. See, back in the day when a minister would fall, what some would do is they would sit them down for a little bit and they would not expose their sins. So that when after a time of, 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 of deliverance and a time of restoration, they could be restored back to their ministry and what they did did not affect their impact. But what happens because of social media, somebody mess up and they blast it, that person no longer can minister in that way that they're called to on the same level. They have to go to a total different context where people did not know them and their ministry can continue. Have you noticed that? That if somebody messed up really bad, it's, it's hard for you to receive from them, right? Because you're still thinking about what they did wrong. But love believes the best. That's all. All right. That's number three, right? Uh, number four is to walk in the light that you know, 1 John 1, 7. To walk in the light that you know. Sometimes people want to know deep stuff. They want to know, oh, I, I want something, something that I can brag about or give me revelations from heaven. Uh, it says, and, and I'm not saying you need to pray for those things, but walk in the light that you know. 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So walk in the light as he is in the light. So walk in what you know. Walk in what you know. The more you walk in what you know, the more you grow in the light. Sometimes we don't walk in what we know. If you know this is God's will for your life, then walk in that. And as you're faithful with that, he'll give you more. And we're talking about how to grow up spiritually, right? And this is connected. The next one is to be a doer of the word. To be a doer. James 1. Let's go to James 1. We're almost finished. James chapter 1. Resist itis. <laughs> um, Itis is a name. Jesus is greater than that name. Um, James chapter 1. So be a doer of the word or act upon the word. You can put even act upon the word. Be a doer of the word or act upon the word or practice the word. Practice what you know. I don't preach what I practice. I, know, I don't practice what I preach. I practice what I, I preach what I practice. I preach what I practice. What I'm when I live, I stay away from certain subjects because unless I pr prove it in my own life first, I don't want to preach it. So I preach what I practice, what I know to be real. So here, 1 John 1, 19, know, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger. So we need to be slow to speak. Have you noticed most people do the opposite? They're quick to speak and slow to hear, and they're slow to love instead of slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness or rampant wickedness 
and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The deceived Christian is the one who hears the word but doesn't do it. There is a great deception among believers when it comes to the word. Because you hear the word, you think you're doing it. That's the danger of it. Some people believe that they're actually doing the word because they hear the word. It's not enough to just hear it only. When I was in Bible college the first time, <laughs> um, they actually said, you're going to hear the word of God five days a week for two and a half, for two years. And you're going to think that you're actually doing what you're hearing because you're hearing it five days a week over five hours a day. You see how the deception can be? You actually think you're doing it. Or we listen to sermons or listen to podcasts or listen, read a book. We actually think we're doing what the book says. But just because you expose yourself to it doesn't mean that you're actually acted upon it. Okay, so it, James is warning us about this self-deception. Self-deception. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if, everyone is a, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intensely at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, preserves and being no, not here who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So we must, be, we must act upon the Bible, on the word. We must act like the Bible is true. The Bible tells us to live, to love one another. The Bible tells us to confess our sins. The Bible tells us to honor the Lord on our bodies and in our finances and so forth, to think about these things. We're to put into practice what we know. If we just do everything that we know, that, how many know that's enough for a lifetime? Just to do what you know. We, we know a lot. We know love is important. We know prayer is important. We know giving and witnessing and so forth. And we just do those things that we know, God can give us more. You want to grow in the anointing? You want to fulfill your God-given destiny, right? Well, win souls. Start out by winning souls. The Bible says, he, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you so you can be my witnesses. So the first anointing you will ever receive is to be a witness. See, sometimes people want the, oh, I want this anointing. I want to be anointed. I want to be anointed. Okay, be a witness. Witness, witness. Always look for opportunities to witness, right? So do what you know. If everybody witness, right, if every Christian witness, we'll be one step closer to the return of Christ. Because Jesus is waiting for the fresh, precious fruit of the earth. All right, my next one, two more. Y'all with me? All right, this right here, and, I, and, I, and I'll expound on it next year, is meditation on the word. Meditation. You will grow spiritually quicker by meditating than anything else. The Christian... There are a lack of Christians who know how to meditate. Meditation is work. To meditate means to crucify your flesh and to that's where true transformation comes is through meditation. We meditate all the time, but we just meditate on the wrong thing. We meditate about you know what this bill is not going to take care of this um, relationship. So let me give you two scriptures: Joshua chapter one verse eight. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. 
go there real quick. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your what? Your mouth. Your mouth is kingdom business. Your mouth is kingdom business. Be very careful what you say out of your mouth. We, we, pay, play, we put great emphasis around here on your confession. I, 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 I was known at one particular church as the confession king. I confessed everything. Everything I believe God for, I got it through my confession. I will say I will do such and such, and I will do this. And, and, and so if you could hear my confessions now, you would be blown away. I'm confessing some things. I'm believing God for things. There's, some, that, there's something happens when we say stuff. And what you say is what you get. And recently there was a rapper who overdosed and, and killed himself on the plane, I believe. And, but in his songs, he confessed that he would die he, in the, at a certain age, 21. He, he made his confession. Tupac confessed his death. Come on. He, he, he prophesied, you are the prophet of your own life. And so what you say carries more weight in your life than anybody else. Amen. And the Bible says this, that do not let the, the book of the law depart from your mouth. The first thing my mom taught me when I got born again was to change my confession, change what I said, to say what God says. That is, the, there's, the Bible says death and life are in the power of the what? Tongue. And so what you say is what you will get. If you don't like what you have in your life, change what you've been saying. My marriage is great. My kids are obedient. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to fulfill God's plan for this, and I'll travel, and I'll, and I'll make money for the gospel, and, and my, the word is working. My seed is working for me. My, the seed that I plant is working for me. It's producing a bountiful harvest. Amen. Amen. And, and maybe one day I'll show you how I do confessions. So ver this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Notice you can't read day and night because you got to work. You, you, you got to sleep. How do you meditate day and night? Well, you get it. You program your spirit with the word of God. And so it's what you, how you read, what you read, what you study and what you memorize, and what you say, and what you think about, all of that is part of meditation. Sometimes we think meditation is getting on my knees and doing some chants. That's, that is a low form of meditation. The high form of meditation is what you're thinking about all the time. So are you thinking about scriptures, taking a passage and tossing it over and over in your mind? So what I do in preparation for going through a book, I'm preparing two different books that we're going to look at, hopefully, in um, 2020, one is Colossians and the other is 2 Corinthians. And so what I do is I take those books and I just, and I think about it and I meditate on it and I pray over it. And, I'm, and, and so what I did for the book of Philippians, right? The book of Philippians, I took two months and I, I read nothing else but the book of Philippians. And I read it like eight times a day. And I read it over, it's only four chapters. I read it over and over and over and I prayed in tongues. I read it over and over again. And I'm like, okay, God, why did Paul say this? And I'm asking questions. And on the side of the Bible, why, what does he mean? Does he have a choice in death? You know, I, I have a de desire to depart, but to be with Christ, which is far better. But I also have a desire to be he here, which is more profitable for you. I, I mean, I'm in a betwitch. Um, I think I choose to, to, 
to stay. I choose to stay. So there was a choice. So why did he choose? You know, how did he choose? Do we have power of choice? And then he says, oh, oh, you know, um, they that preach, there's some to preach the gospel out of ill will or to add to my bondage. Others preach it out of a heart of sincerity. Uh, but nevertheless, Christ is preached. So he's glorying that the fact that Christ is preached regardless of the motives. And so sometimes what we do is we judge people based on their motives instead of looking at the message. The message is greater than the motive. Right. And, and so as I meditated for two months, meditated the book of Philippians, I realized the whole entire book is about servitude from the very beginning to the very end. And he gives us an illustration of how Jesus became a servant in Philippians 2. So it's about serving and serving with joy. And some scholars believe that Paul was actually under the jail in human ways. Declaring, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. You saints at Philippi. <laughs> this is why he says, you know what? I count all that I've done, I've done as dung, as human waste. So he was actually making reference to what he was in. Wow. <laughs> Come on. Wow. Meditation. So when you think about this and you go to bed and you pray in tongues and you think about and I'm tossing it over and, and that becomes a part of you and it becomes intimate and then you're living it out and that's the next part of meditation. It says, do not let this book depart from your mouth, but you should meditate on it day and night that you may be what? Careful to do according to all that's written therein or written in it. So we actually meditate. The goal of meditation is, is acting upon the word. So that whatever you give yourself over to the most is what you'll actually live. Meditation. Meditation empowers you to live. So what you think about the most is what you'll actually live out. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Why y'all got me preaching on here on Wednesday night? And I got to get y'all out before 9 o'clock. <laughs> uh, uh, it says, um, so you can be careful to do according to all that's written therein. And then if you do that, then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. There's one thing to have success. There's another thing to have good success. Good success is doing God's will in God's way. Having everything that he promised in your life. If you give yourself. So meditation on the word will cause you to grow in leaps and bounds because it empowers you to live what you're meditating on. Amen. So give yourself, give your mind over to the word. The Bible says in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 22, uh, it says this. It says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength, right? And mind. So loving God with your mind is meaning that you give yourself over to meditation. Give your mind over to God. God, you know, they say we use, what, 10% of our brain? I'm convinced that 90% uh, of it is really reserved for God and his word and his glory. That, that 90%, we can tap into that. <laughs> we can tap into that other part. And, and as you meditate, there was a guy, and I heard Merlin Hickey say this years and years and years ago. There was a guy who had some challenges, and people would call him stupid and dumb and so forth. And he began to memorize the book of Proverbs every single day. And he began to, it's like the life of God quickened his understanding. He began to understand, and he became really sharp through meditation. Amen. There's something to it. So as you meditate, in my last scripture, <laughs> I mean, my last point is this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, you got to teach others. How to grow spiritually, you got to teach others. Don't keep what you got to yourself. Uh, if, I, if I find something really good 
what I do is I, I have a really bad or good tendency to expose it to everybody. Every, you know this, I preached about it. I preached about what I, if I, if I find something really, really good, I want to tell everybody about it. I mean, it's just like, and that's just part of, I guess, you know, me wanting to evangelize, like Jesus is really the best thing that can ever happen to you. And I want to tell everybody about Jesus. And so if you are learning and growing in the things of God, don't keep it to yourself. I, it's like I look for opportunities to share what I have. So 2 Timothy chapter 2. And this also, real quick, verse 7, let's go. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, um, will go along with meditation. Is think on what I, over what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think, that means to toss it over into your mind. Okay, go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. It says, um, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So notice the scripture. It says, you teach others who will teach others who will teach others who will teach others who will teach others. Just don't teach anybody. Don't cast your pearls before swines, but teach others who are committed to teach others who are committed to teach others who are committed to teach others. And that's how we get this gospel to the next unborn generations. There is an unborn generation. And believe it or not, I'm going after that unborn generation. I believe that my books and my sermons will reach the unborn generation. They'll talk about me. They'll write about me in, in the history books, not because, oh, you're so great, but the God that I serve. Amen. And so you go after teaching others who would teach 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 others. Who would teach others who, and that's how you pass this gospel around. Nothing that we have we received on our own. Somebody gave it to us, so we need to give it to others. Father, I thank you for this word as we take and apply the word of God. I pray that we'll grow up spiritually in Jesus' name. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His word. God bless you.